In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, this was another bit of a weird episode that we watched <laughs> this week, um, in that much like Foundation, uh, it's a very short outline, and seemingly not much happens <laughs> in this, um, mm-hmm. in, a very, in a very different way from how very little happened in Foundation. Um, yes. But in terms of... The question I was going to ask you is, like, when you think about sleep and when you do sleep, like, do you have any sort of issues around sleep? Uh, are you, would you describe yourself as a good sleeper? Uh, oh, lordy, lordy. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is like, I feel like, <laughs> uh, no, okay, yes. I do have issues around sleep, and I would say, no, I'm not really a good sleeper. Um, In the sense that I am a very, very light sleeper. Ah. So it's not that, like, my sleep is bad, but if there is, but I will wake up multiple times during the night, generally, and if there's, like, extra noises or extra things, I will wake up. Okay. Like, I don't think I could ever be, like, killed in my sleep without waking up first. Okay. Um, and I will say I am married to someone who is an incredibly heavy sleeper. <laughs> that seems so, to be the pairing. Yeah, what is the... It's very annoying. I will say, as the light sleeper, it is very annoying because... There's also snoring situations that oh, happen. Oh, bummer. And, and I, here's the thing about me is I really like noise when I sleep. Again, because I don't like the idea of like total silence and like hearing the murderer come in. <laughs> I so have I issues see. with being murdered so, at night. <laughs> so you're saying if you lived in like the middle of a countryside where like there's no sound as you sleep, then you would hear the of the door open. Yeah. And you'd be like, and that's when the murderer is coming in. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I really, silence weirds me out when I'm sleeping. So huh, I am one of those, un, yeah, so I'm one of those people who like sleep with the TV on. So I could have the TV at full volume, like gunshots on the TV. That doesn't bother me. Like I could sleep through that even that though I just said I was a late sleeper. either. But... but if you snore for one minute, <laughs> I am like, 
that is the most <laughs> annoying sound I've ever heard. Like, I cannot. So it's... Um, it's a bit of a problem. And I do also find, I've heard other people say this, this is not like my original thought, but the, like people who snore, it's sort of like them, like throwing it in your face that they're sleeping really well right now. (laughs) And that is how I feel. (laughs) Like I am now awake and you are are throwing it in my face that you are sound asleep. (laughs) It's very frustrating. Well, so I once heard that, Snoring is actually an indication that you're not sleeping very well. Yeah. Um, that could that probably is like medically true. Yeah. <laughs> it's something to do with like yeah, cuz like often for example, if you've had a big night of drinking, you're more prone to snoring than you are mm-hmm. uh usually uh, that's, and it, I mean, as we know, if you have a big night drinking, you're usually not going to have a good sleep anyway, but like that's, so snoring right. is indications that like there's something going wrong. And I think it's like, you're not actually breathing properly. So you might even yeah. actually be dealing with like slight, like oxygen deficiency, which is why people have those like CPAP machines, like those sleep mask things and. Right. And that's like. And I think some people who snore don't, like, not every single person who snores has sleep apnea, but I right. do think... It's connected somehow. It definitely is. And there is, like, a thing of where you do stop breathing, and that's right. where, like, some of those snores come from, where they're really, like, loud and aggressive. Yeah. That's, like, you starting to breathe again yeah. or something. It's your body being, um, like, breathe, jerk. Oh, shit. I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> um and also, I will say, it's exacerbated if you sleep on your back. So, right. like, what I... Anybody who wants a tip, if they have a spouse or anybody that they sleep with that Just snores... Gently roll them I to the side. push... Yeah. Yeah, I push him so that he is on his side. Although sometimes I, I say, like, I will wake him up and say, get on your side. And then he'll put his face towards me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want the snoring like, face towards my ear. Wrong side, bro. Go the other way. Um, oh, that's really funny. See, that? okay, see, I didn't know that about you. I always remember from growing up that you were an early riser compared to myself. Yeah. Um, and that's still true. Uh, but, and I, and I feel like, I, I think the, like, light sleeping thing has, like, progressively probably gotten worse as I've gotten sure. older. Wow. Um, I, like, uh, yeah. I mean... Be- it's it's not great. Because for me, I would describe sleeping as my one true natural talent. <laughs> Is, uh, that's, and I think it's a good one to have. I mean, it's great. Because if you don't have good sleep, like, all the other ramifications are, like, I really sound like an old lady when I say something like that, but, like, it really is true. Yeah. If you don't sleep well, your whole, everything gets fucked. Your brain, everything. No, (laughs) you really need quality sleep. And when I say, like, for our listeners, when I say my one true natural talent is sleep, (laughs) um... By that I mean, um, I can sleep a lot. I, Mm. like, in terms of number of hours. Um, (laughs) 
Although I will say, similar to what you were saying, as I've gotten older, that's become less true. Like, um, yeah. And are you like, are you a heavy sleeper? Like if someone shook you, would you wake up? I do not know. (laughs) Um, Really? No. You don't know that? I don't know it because no one, well, yeah, I've like been sleeping alone at this point for like a number of years. Um, Well, I know, but even just like the idea, I feel like I know, like it's never even happened to me, (laughs) but like, well, actually it will actually, it, it, like I've never been woken up like in the morning, like someone being like, time to wake up now. I don't feel like that's ever been a thing, but like maybe when we were kids, that could have happened. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I guess it must. I must, it must have, but like. Even, like, last night, in the middle of the night, I also forgot to mention that um, my husband also talks in his sleep. (laughs) So it's, like, a lot. (laughs) Are you choking? (laughs) Yeah, I was drinking water as you said it, and then I started laughing. And so it was a bit Uh, of a problem. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Go on. So sometimes, sorry, like... So there's, like, lots of noise happening. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and sometimes I can't tell if he's talking to me. Because mm. sometimes it's that, like, where he's, like, sleepily talking to me, thinking I'm awake. And then sometimes it's straight up he's talking in his sleep. And <coughs> last night, in, like, the middle of the night, he said something. And I was, like, and, it like, it woke me up because he was talking. Sure. But I assumed it was he was talking in his sleep. But then he poked me and was, like, said it again. And I was, like... You're, like, oh, that's okay. a real but then he was talking, thing you said. But we, he was, like... Yeah, and he was, like, talking about where we wanted to eat breakfast this morning or something. And oh. I'm, like, why are we talking about this in the middle of the night while we're sleeping? Well, based um, on previous conversations we've had, he does like to think about food ahead of time and smile about it. So... <laughs> true maybe that it is true so and then when I reminded him about it this morning he was like no we talked about that before bed and I was like no we were fully asleep (laughs) (laughs) um so point being the point of that story is I feel like the minute someone starts talking in my vicinity I will be awake that's so I like wild. shaking, shaking me. I know I would be awake. I mean, I assume like a hard shake, I would wake up. But I'm not sure if just like a gentle like shoulder tap would necessarily wake me up. I can like, hmm. I know at, per what you were saying, I can sleep in the car super easily. So yeah. like music, t- podcast sounds, you know, like other people talking, that yeah. doesn't stop me from sleeping through that. Um, yeah. yeah. It's very specific things that get through. I feel like when, like, certain things permeate for me. Like, I can, I can also, too, like, the TV, all of that stuff. I can, I can tune it out for the most part, but then every once in a while, something will permeate. Sure. Or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it, sleep is very weird. It is very <laughs> weird. It's weird how different everybody's experience of it is. Um, yeah. In the case of this thing we're watching or talking about today, like, this was an interesting one, and I think we've kind of run across this before in other things. This was, like, falling asleep was dangerous. Um, yeah. Which, t- because of my current state, or not current state, my, cons- my just state of being, 
the idea that the thing I'm good at is dangerous is a real bummer. Like, no, the, the idea of sleep being dangerous and like you can't sleep, I think, like, even just the thought of that uh, makes me tired. Yeah. Like, like that. I, I guess it's just, like, the human thing of, like, you can't have that. Now I want it real bad. Right. Like. Well, and as we were saying before, do, sleep is so important to, like, everything else functioning. Yeah, it is torture. It's yeah. torture. Like, I would it say is. that, like. That is actually a torture technique to keep people awake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear they've used it on reality shows. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they've definitely used it. On prisoners of war, and yeah, they definitely use it as the whole subject matter of the Freddy series, um, Nightmare and Elm exactly. Street. Exactly. Um, so clearly, quite a thing. So anyway, hello, listeners. Welcome to <laughs> see you next week in space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister, co-host, and horrible sleeper, Amy Walsh. Um, <laughs> So, Amy, why don't you... Now I can't wait to go to bed tonight. (laughs) I'm already like, when can I program in a nap later today? (laughs) Which is precisely what I mean about sleep being my one true natural talent. Um, I get it. But so, anyway, why don't you tell everyone what we're talking about today? Oh, man. We are talking about a show that I'm fairly confident no one's ever heard of. Um, called Time Tracks, yeah. spelled T-R-A-X. Correct. And it aired um, in the years 1993 and 94. The specific episode we watched was called Happy Valley and aired in March of 1994. Correct. So it's it does, it does have two seasons somehow, this show. Interesting. Um, not really sure how, um, but, yeah. but they were... Full seasons. the The total number of episodes is forty three. So that means they had like. Were you, know, you aware of this? Like when it was on at all? No, I had no awareness of this whatsoever. Um, and so yeah, I mean, and as we'll see, there isn't much even out there. And also trying to figure out like where this show ever got played to try and figure out like why I never ran across it um mm-hmm. and like the only thing i can deduce from wikipedia is that it played on something called the primetime entertainment network which means nothing who's ever heard of that um, so yeah this this for me was a complete like i've not ever heard of this i don't have any hmm. memory of having run across it um though the idea is a pretty basic one which actually i think we've seen in variations before The IMDb description is, a cop from the future is sent back to contemporary times to track down fugitives hiding in the past. Um, And here's the thing. I think they even explain that in, like, the... The credits. Credits, I guess. Yeah. I didn't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because I was having technology issues, but I was like, I know they're saying words, but, like, what? What are they? What? Well... I I didn't quite get it. And I will say, like, so also, because this episode comes from season two, maybe Mm -hmm. there was less effort put in to, like, explaining some things. Like, I, if we had watched something from season one, maybe that would be different. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, there was a... And this one in particular, like... I, I actually quite like the premise of in the future, someone figures out time travel and then crime people figure out, oh, if I want to evade the law, I'll just go back into the past. Um, <laughs> I like that Yeah, premise. no, I like all of that. Yeah, like that's yeah, a cool sure. premise. I think that's also the premise of, there's something else that I think I've maybe put on our list. Let me have a look. I think it's called well, there's Time some, Cop. There's some movie called Time Cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've watched, uh, I've heard podcasts about it, but I can't remember what. Oh, it's a Jean-Claude the, Van Damme. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, I think that's the premise of that movie as well. Um, so, and I think there's actually probably a number of different movies that and TV shows that have a bit of that going on. So I'm like, the premise is It's a good cover, fine. like being yeah. a crime guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... And also, like, I guess, because, like, the premise of this show is not only that people from the future are going back into the past simply to avoid, you know, um, prosecution or whatever and capture, but that they also somehow are able to bring back and or recreate, like, technologies that they've created in the future. Mm. So that's, like, especially oh. this episode is a bit like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so... You know, they do have to keep a sort of low profile, even in the present, because, you know, you can't just, like, bust out with technology from 200 years in the future and be like, here you go, people in 1993. Like your sonic blaster. like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but in terms of, like, the very little I was able to figure out about this show... Um, this was the last new production by Lorimar Television. Um, so this is also perhaps mm. why it got two full seasons of 22 episodes each. Because, like, the guys who are the showrunners for this... Let me figure out where, what's their name again. I've worked on a bunch of other shows. Yeah, like Harvey Bennett, Jeffrey M. Hayes, and Grant Rosenberg. I, re- I recognized Harvey Bennett's name when I saw it in the credits, which is weird. Really? Um, that is weird. They've... It is and it isn't when you hear the other shows that they these guys have been a part of. Um, so Laura, no, I see that they're all stuff we watched. Yes. <laughs> so Lorimar Television kicks off in kind of the late '60s and does shows, produces shows like The Waltons, Eight Is Enough, Dallas, um, and then in over the course of the '80s they start pivoting more toward family sitcoms like Perfect Strangers, Full House. Alf, uh, Step by Step, Family Matters. Um, They also are responsible for the kids' animated show Thundercats. Um, They also develop and put together the TV miniseries version of It. So they were a very successful uh, production company that, if I remember correctly, what happens to them is in the early 90s, like around as this show is coming out, they merge with Warner Brothers. Um, mm. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, yeah, they merge with Warner Brothers. Um, yes, they do. Um, and in fact, weirdly, they end up saving Warner Brothers because the Warner they like kind of acquire 
Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers was going through a hard time in the early 90s. Um, but then they take on the name themselves. Like, so the Lorimar goes away and they become Warner Entertainment or whatever it is. Um, so I absolutely would have seen these guys' names on shows. Yeah, true. Know, at some point. Mm-hmm. And so at, when I saw it, I was like, I think Harvey Bennett is a person I've heard of before somehow. Um, the only other thing that I think is um, that I, well, because there isn't much to speak of about this show out there on the internet. Uh, it's set in Washington, D.C. Um, because the main character, Darian Lambert, is a time cop, essentially. So he's in D.C. Um, <laughs> I did not get D.C. from no, you any of the... You wouldn't in this case because for some reason he starts out in L.A. in this episode. Oh, um, okay. But... Yeah, there's a very confusing thing where, like, they show one establishing shot of, like, the Capitol in D.C., and then, they, then they're on the streets of L.A., and I was like, what's happening? Um, but even though it's set in Washington, D.C., it's actually filmed in Surfer's Paradise, Queensland, Australia. Um, that is so weird. Indeed. Um there's, I mean, I think this is interesting because it actually is reminiscent of some other shows that we've covered, like Farscape, for example, is like an Australian production, but that is like kind of meant to go to the U.S. market. Um, and as we'll see, a couple of the actors here are Australian. Um, the only reason I can imagine why this was happening is probably similar to the reason why... Uh, although it's not quite the same thing, why filming in Canada is so popular. Um, Because especially at this point, but really always, the American dollar goes much farther in Australia than it does in the U.S. But the thing is, is like compared to now, I think the reason why you might not choose to film in Australia now is like, yeah, the dollar goes farther, but also, like, the cost of things are much higher here. So that savings you make on the exchange rate kind of gets lost in how much more expensive everything is here. Um, maybe in the 90s that wasn't so. I don't know. Um, but for whatever reason, that is where the filming is being done for this show. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, In terms of the cast for this episode, we have the two people, I guess, who are probably in every episode are the characters Darian Lambert and Selma. Darian Lambert is the time cop played by Dale Midkiff, who was 35. Um, His first credit is in 1985. Um... And he appeared as Elvis in a 1988 TV movie called Elvis and Me. Um, he also was the main guy in Pet Cemetery. Did you ever watch Pet Cemetery? Oh. Yeah, and I can't remember if I've watched the original. I know there's like many iterations of it, I feel like. Um, or remakes. I feel like I've seen it. Yeah, because I know I've watched 
the what I think to be the original film adaptation um, semi-recently because that also has um, the woman who played Tasha Yar on Star Trek. That was one of her kind of only hmm. movie roles. Um, and I, but I will say, I, I didn't recognize this guy from that. Like, I was like, oh, I've seen that movie. I did not realize that was the same guy. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, he then goes on to do, unsurprisingly, quite a lot of TV movies in the late 80s and early 90s, so building up to this. He also has a, like a supporting role in Love Potion Number 9, um, featuring hmm. a very young Sandra Bullock. Um, and he still seems to be working, um, at least semi-regularly, which distinguishes him from pretty much everyone else in this cast. <laughs> um, I'm trying mm-hmm. to have a look and see when his like most recent credit is from. Yeah, his most recent credit is from 2020, and mm. he's got something coming out-ish, maybe. Um, oh, no, maybe not. But anyway, like, he seems to still occasionally, like, be out there, so he might still <laughs> continue to do that. Um, That's funny. Then we have the, and I hesitate to call her a character, or even a her, for that matter, um, what is she? <laughs> there's this thing called Selma. Now, again, I cannot deduce from the internet because normally, as we know... Is she a hologram? Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, on Wikipedia, it says, Darian is assisted by the specified encapsulated limitless memory archive, or Selma. I knew what it. What the fuck? I knew it had to be oh. an acronym because... As we know from Ew. every other thing we've ever watched, that's what it is. Um, that's annoying. <laughs> and so, and the and that is described as an extremely small but very powerful computer. Um, however, and why does she look like a lady? According to Wikipedia, Selma communicates through a holographic <laughs> interface, which takes the visual okay, okay. form of a woman. Now, okay. <laughs> the whole thing is that uh, Selma is such a high-tech um, bit of technology while she effectively functions like a supercomputer. She has been kind of designed to appear as though she's just a credit card. Oh, the credit card thing, right. Yeah. That was very strange. I'm not sure I quite understood the credit card thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I right think away. I think it's an ingenious bit of writing to be like, we don't really have the budget to actually do anything that looks like a Make super a computer <laughs> or an Android right, right, right. or anything like right. that. How about though? We just give this guy a credit card and say, and like have him like shoot it at things. That's what it is. Like that's his computer. Um, love it. Yeah, because the best part about sci-fi is like it doesn't really have to make sense. No, it absolutely doesn't. It's like into and and I will say of all the things that we've seen, 
because we know that computers have gotten smaller and phones and things have become like ubiquitous, who's to say that in 200 years it wouldn't be like that? That's probably one of the more believable things we've ever seen is that the, the phone would continue to get thinner and thinner, smaller and smaller. I mean, I don't think you'd actually want your phone to be the size of a credit card. But well, you know, like I mean, we went through a phase of it where phones got very small and then they kind of got big again because, yeah. like, you know, because and who knows, they, they became, might get again. <laughs> I think be- the reason they got big again was because they became much more than just a phone on its own. Right. And then it was like, right. you need to be able to find it in your purse. You need to be able to, like, pull it out of your pocket. I want to watch stuff yeah, on it, so like, I want the screen to be bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what Selma is. Um, And she is played by a 42-year-old Australian actress, Elizabeth Alexander, um, whose first credit was in 1967. And she probably, to an Australian audience, would be fairly recognizable. She's one of the only other Mm. people who really does seem to have like a meaningful career across a number of years. Um, I'm trying to see for her. Yeah, she's even got something that's come out in 2022. Um, so, yeah, like I think to an Australian, she might be vaguely recognizable. Um, she also did appear, unsurprisingly, like I said, in Farscape. Um, she's also appeared in one of the usuals we see with Australian actors, Home and Away. Um, and then she was also in something that just sounded weird called Golden Soak. And I don't know what that could possibly be about. Um, (laughs) but I don't really want to linger on it. Um, then we have a character, uh, Agent Tulsa Giles. And yes, her name is Tulsa. Um... I love that. Okay, this is my favorite character, and we'll get into it. So that's played by a 40-year-old Mary Margaret Humes, um, who I did recognize immediately, but I couldn't figure out from where. Um, Oh, my God. Did you know right away who she was? Of course. Okay. Yes. Because, yeah, well, I'm in a... um, Currently, although, like, I took a little break, but I was in a uh, Dawson's Creek rewatch binge mm. in the, over the last, like, couple of weeks or so. So, yeah, I was right there, and I was like, whoa, calm down, Mrs. Leary. Because she was yelling the whole time. She was very like, excitable. she was yelling a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's true. So, she goes on to become the famous mom of Dawson on Dawson's Creek. Um, her first, very first baby credit was in 1980 in an episode of Dukes of Hazzard. Um, she is like a tried and true kind of TV actor, I guess I would say. Um, all throughout the 80s, she's in all the 80s things that you would expect. She's also been in, you know, some of the shows that we've watched, like Manimal. Um, she- <laughs> I forgot she was in that. I mean, we didn't watch that episode, I don't think, that she appeared in. But, I mean, Manimal, mm. 
we may have to revisit Manimal at some point um, because it is just so odd. Um, then she was, she's been on Love Boat and Knight Rider. Um, I guess she also did an appearance on Blossom in the 90s and then, of course, Dawson's Creek. Um, and now she's in a bunch of TV movies um, like Hallmark, Lifetime, yeah. Some Christmas. I feel like I've seen her in some stuff like that. Yeah, like it's oh, a mix. Yeah. It's a mixture of like Christmas and then just other things, kind of like all in the same yeah. vein. Um, then this is this is a weird one because like a lot of people actually turn out to have been kind of big deals or become big deals after this show. Um, the character Veronica Barkley, who I did feel like I recognized, was played by Priscilla Barnes, who is most known for taking over from Suzanne Summers in Three's Company. Is she, wait, which lady was she? She's the she's neighbor? The, she's the bad real estate agent lady. Oh. Really? Yeah. She had black hair? She did, but she had blonde hair of course, when she was in oh, Three's Company. I was going to say, hmm. Okay, I'd have to see I'd have to see a picture, like, side by side. Yeah. What's her name? Priscilla Barnes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because you, this is where our age really does define us a little bit or distinguish us. Because, like, when I say Three's Company, I'm sure you know what that is, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I watched. I watched it. I liked Three's Company. Okay, because I somehow, for some reason, God knows why, not only have I seen some Three's Company, I even knew about the, like, you know, quote-unquote scandal of Suzanne Summers leaving the show and her being replaced with somebody else and how it was never as good once that other lady was in it. I had heard about that, but I'd never... I don't think I've ever seen an episode where it wasn't Suzanne Summers. And, yeah, and same. Although I'm recognizing this lady now that I look yeah. at it, I guess I can kind of remember her in it. Yeah. And so anyway, that was quite the like dust up. Um, she also was a penthouse pet, which I didn't know. Um, mm -hmm. She also the the witch thing I, academy. I know. At some point, she went into a bit of a. <laughs> Um, horror hole and did something called Witch Academy and then later The Devil's Rejects which Love I think that. is a little bit more well known um, she also for me I when I learned this I was like oh I've definitely seen her um, she was the fortune teller in Mall Rats um, which is a very infamous role where hmm. she's like a topless fortune teller um, God I know weird uh, and then more recently, she played a series regular, the character's name was Magda, um, in the show Jane the Virgin. So she's out and about and around. Mm. Um, at this point, I'm not sure who I would describe perhaps as like the most successful out of this bunch, um, because it's mm. like... I mean, I would definitely say Dawson's mom, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it certainly seems like these top these ones we've talked about ended up doing 
decently well in the sense that like I can imagine that they actually yeah and like Priscilla Priscilla Barnes is like still doing stuff so she I would say she looks like I mean maybe she's more technically she's got the most credits she seems to be the one who's working the most regularly um Mm. so by the if that's the metric then she's the most successful I guess um yeah but and if like being recognizable is more the metric. Maybe Dawson's mom is that. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on who you are, really. Yeah. And I, well, and yeah. And I suppose if we were a bit older, we might be more inclined to say that Priscilla Barnes is the more successful. Right. Um, and then finally, uh, there's a character called Dr. Julius Rathenberg, played by a 50 year old John Stanton. He's also Australian. Um, again, he seems like someone who maybe to an Australian audience of a certain age would be more recognizable because he had a few, uh, like TV roles where he was a series regular over a period of time. Um, but most recently he appeared in the movie version of a Miss Fisher mystery called Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears, which I know I watched, but I did not recall this man from it hmm um and that's it that's who we need to know for this show i i i would say like this episode made me wonder if like every episode is so light on extras or if it's like um (laughs) because now that we've been doing this for a while and because I also listen to some other movie podcasts, I'm, now I can, like, pick up on things that I would have never known before or noticed before. And one of the things that really mm-hmm. does set apart, like, especially TV shows, but even movies as well, like, when there aren't extras, you know someone doesn't have money. Like, their budget yeah. is really small. Um, and so this is... This show... Or this episode, anyway. Has that vibe for you? Has that vibe. Where it's like, we met, like, two people, and we were on three sets max. Like, um... Yeah. So, this show begins with some title cards. The first being that we're in a Florida suburb. And I was like, ooh, yikes. Um, and then... Already bad news. Yeah, it's like, we're already (laughs) in trouble. And then... Yeah. The next one says time period, the present, and you're like, okay. And I guess, again, if we had watched more episodes, maybe sometimes the show starts at, like, different future points in time. Um, Mm -hmm. But this one starts in the present. And we begin in what I've been describing as a control room um, because I I didn't really know how else to describe it. Um, It's just like Mm -hmm. a lot of computer screens and TV screens. Like it kind of looked like like a security room or something where like just like lots Mm -hmm. of different camera feeds and stuff. Um, And a guy who we will eventually learn is called Julius is watching some woman sleep which is creepy. Um, 
<laughs> and then we go to the woman's house, and she wakes up from a deep sleep. Well, we don't know that it's a deep sleep, but she wakes up to see fire in her bedroom, fire snaking around mm-hmm. her house. Um, she runs out of the house screaming. And I did have to say, it was pretty funny. She, like, at one point, she's, like, trying to use her garden hose to put out the fire. Okay. (laughs) This whole, yeah, this whole scene, I was like, what is happening? Like, obviously, I hadn't caught on to, like, the, the, exactly what's happening yet. But then, this is when, like, and then her neighbors come out and watch her, right? Right. Correct. And then this whole scene, I was thinking, okay, so her neighbors come out, watch her. They don't see any fire, no. so they think she's just Nuts. lost her mind. Yes. And then she gets into a car mm-hmm. and speeds away. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking over. No, do <laughs> but it. I'm just saying Go like on. This. Yes. And then she crashes, and the car flips over and sets on fire, and these neighbors are continuing to stand there do God fucking nothing. nothing. Yes, that's correct. And just put their hands over their mouth. Yes. And I was thinking in my head, okay, now listen, I am someone who in an emergency situation, my go-to reaction is also to freeze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But if I saw someone having a very clear mental breakdown in their front lawn in the middle of the night, I would love to believe that I would do my best to not let them get in a car and drive because that seems like the opposite of a good idea. Yeah, that's fair. And they just stood there and let it happen. I, I I kind of have questions about those neighbors. Well, we'll, we'll see, learn later in the show that they have their own problems, but, um, yeah, I feel that if I were seeing such a thing, and she really, to really drive it home, listeners, like, um, she's freaking the fuck out. Her arms are, like, pinwheeling around. She's using the garden yeah. hose to, like, uh, douse the flames. She's saying things like, can't you see my house is on fire? And, yeah. of course, the two neighbors watching don't see that. Um, but, like, what I would... Like to believe of myself, but there's not even any attempt to like calm her no, down. They're they all just they just stand her, there, they like just stand there. And what I feel like, what I would want to believe myself capable of doing, is that <laughs> I would be watching that, and I would one of us, like, because this is a you know married couple, one of mm-hmm. us would turn to the other and be like. And because also it's the 90s, it's like... Go call someone. You go call the police or the ambulance, something. And I'll stay here and watch to make sure... Make sure she doesn't drive away. (laughs) That something is okay or whatever. Like, to the degree that I'm able to do that. Now, the thing is, I don't know... I agree with you that it's not good for somebody who's in the middle of a psychotic break to get behind the wheel of a car. Of course not. Um, But what I don't know, because I'm not a mental health professional, is if it's a good idea to... To, like, intervene in the psychosis? Yeah, like, to, like, physically approach a person who's in that state 
and to like, yeah, disrupt whatever thing they're trying to do. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, she's quite agitated, um, but she doesn't seem violent. You know what I mean? Right. Like if she sure. was if she was like wielding a weapon and saying like, uh, the demons are coming, like I would get, you know, not wanting to engage in that. Sure. <laughs> but like I do feel like and I'm not a mental health professional either, so maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like a gentle approach could have possibly diffused the situation. Yeah. I I mean yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess in fairness to that couple, it wasn't <laughs> clear immediately that she was going to get yeah. into the car. She just kept like sort of standing near it. And then yeah. by the time, because like that's the other thing is they were like a solid 30 feet away or something from her. Yeah. And by the time someone opens a car door and gets inside, I'm not sure I could, like, get to them fast enough. I know. Enough and then what are you going to, like, to be like, I know. Get and then what are you going to do, like, like, let her hit you with the car? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because then I the know. car becomes... It just seems like a crazy... I know. They... Because they... And that's what I mean, is, like, I would like to believe that in normal circumstances... The two people would come out. They'd see someone having a psychotic break. One of them would go back to call the ambulance. And the other might just sort of stand there to kind of, yeah, in case they could do anything. Guard the situation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I don't, like, I just don't know that trying to stop anyone from doing something is going to really be the right thing if you don't know what to do. Um, And then as well, like, once she gets in the car, then the car becomes as though she's got a weapon, you know, like... Oh, yeah, I know. Once she's in the car, I think, like, your window... Yeah, I think your window has closed once she's in the car, but... And and now, I did think it was kind of funny in an ironic way that she's imagining her house being consumed in flames, but in fact, she hits a parked car, her car flips over and then ignites into a fiery wreck, and I was yep. like, I yep. feel that no no matter how fast a person is going, and I don't think she was even going that fast because she was in a neighborhood, like, I just don't buy that her car would have flipped over and then it was going to burst into flames as a result of hitting like, a car. It seems car. like that car was art. <clears throat> I don't think so either, unless there was already something wrong with her car. <laughs> like, it seems like... That's and besides, indicative of, like, there was maybe had, another problem going on. It was on. quite clearly a Volvo, and Volvos are known for being extremely safe and reliable. So I'm just like, I just have a hard time believing this well, whole thing. Well, yeah, the whole trajectory of how the car hit and then flipped, I don't think it would even flip. No. Because no. she wasn't hitting another moving vehicle. I think she would have just hit that vehicle and... Right. It Smashed. Stopped, yeah. stopped, basically. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the cold open. Um, (laughs) Then we get the credit sequence that explains to us that Darian Lambert is a time cop who is tasked with the job of, like, collecting uh, badmen from the future. (laughs) Um, Then, like I said, even though there's, like, this brief jaunt and establishing shot of DC, then 
Um, Darian and Selma are talking to each other while he's on the streets of L.A. Um, so weird. Yeah, very weird indeed. That's the other thing is like Darian can talk to Selma anytime he wants, but mm-hmm. seemingly other people don't notice or hear when he's doing it, and they also don't notice or hear when she's responding to him. Yeah. Um, which I don't fully understand. Um, yeah. But that is the, the way the show functions. Um, <laughs> while they're chatting about some nonsense, Darian notices that some guys seem to be tailing him. Um, when they break and try to catch him, he beats them up in the city streets and no one says anything. Um, because America (laughs) is an active crime scene. Um, and so once he's like subdued them, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, I don't, I guess it's implied that they're government agents because they say that they're working for agent Tulsa Giles, who Darian knows. I wonder if she's appeared. I think she has appeared on the show before, like in a previous episode. Um, Let me see here. That name, Tulsa Giles, that is just like... It's so stupid. Um, Yeah, I think she does appear in another episode, but I can't figure out which one. So they basically are there to escort him to meet her at her office, um, to which Darian goes in the next scene. Um, and again, speaking to this issue of extras, this almost looked to me like the production crew was like, hey, random office that has real workers in it, would you mind <laughs> if we just like if shot just film a in here scene today? in here? <laughs> Uh, rather than, like, getting real That extras. might be true. Um, it really had a very weird vibe in there. Um, but so, <laughs> basically, Tulsa tells Darian that she needs a favor from him um, because she's currently investigating the Happy Valley housing community in Florida. She says that, like, a lot of very strange stuff has been happening and as well, the reason why this community has kind of gotten on her radar in the first place is because the woman at the helm, Veronica Barclay, um, has previous criminal charges. And so she's like, hmm. something kind of hinky is afoot, and I want to figure out what it is. And I guess Tulsa, part of the story here is that like she seems to be only recently been made a federal agent so she wants to like get some sort of experience and cases under her she belt seems, yeah she seems like super like green and excitable excitable in the extreme um i <laughs> she would yells a lot in this show and she's like constantly yelling and it's funny because like i i am so used to her as her character of Dawson's mom, which, like, you know, she's a mom. Right. She's, like, pretty... Relatively calm. I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say she's chill, but she's, like, 
mom and like pretty like pretty yeah pretty calm like pretty even keeled and this character is like wowza what is happening <laughs> yeah this character is at like 150 percent all the time um all the time chomping someone I would not be a friend no, with to be I perfectly would, honest that would she'd be the kind of friend that would always be inviting you to things, but you would only say <laughs> yes 25% or less of the time. Like, or she's one of those friends that like you can hang out with in a group because it uh, kind of dissipates balances. the. Yeah. Yeah, it like all that energy isn't coming just onto you. Right. It like gets, yeah. I, she's someone I could not do a one-on-one hang with. <laughs> well, and even in a group or one-on-one, like depending on, it's like I can hang out with this person for three hours max every two and a half months. <laughs> like that is right. the circumstance. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I mean. Why like they'll keep, they'll keep inviting you to stuff. And that's, I mean, I will say the benefit of a friend like this often is that they don't really seem to be bothered that you don't come to all the things but they'll just keep (laughs) inviting you and so you can just determine for yourself like this is how much I can interact with this person and when I do there is a I have a nice time like or like there's something nice about it for I mean to be clear I don't have friends like this because I like truly people like this stress me out and like I wouldn't even like it just does wouldn't happen between us. It like just doesn't work. But <laughs> I don't. She is a yeah. lot. I don't have friends like this now. But I have had friends yeah. like this in the past. And th- what I'm yeah. describing is my way of managing that. Where I'm like, I'm not actually yeah. mad at this person. I I I don't dislike them, but I can't. I can't, this cannot be my like. Let's hang out every weekend, friend. Like this is not that person, right. and so yeah, you know, just and that's that's my not that advice is what this show is for or why anyone's listening, but like, <laughs> um, that is my way to. We'll navigate. give you some. Yeah, that's my way to navigate those kinds of relationships is just be like decide what I feel yeah. fine with. And then sure. just do that. And unless the person raises it as an issue, like, why don't you come more to things, then, then they seem, they and clearly then will seem. And be like, you are too much. <laughs> well, then I guess you cross that bridge when you get there. But that's the whole point is like, that's what I'm saying is friends like this have never asked me. Why don't you come out more? <laughs> like, um, yeah, because I feel like people, I feel like people like this because they're like this. It's not, they're not inclined they, to They've notice. got like, yeah. Yeah, they've just got like a lot going on maybe even. Like, like they've got a lot of friends because they're so intense right. or like because they're so talkative right. or excitable. They've got so many friends that they've got their like eggs in so many baskets it like doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like they're just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, she's a lot and she's I would not want to be friends Quite a lot. She's quite a lot. And the fact that she's like wanting to like make a name for herself as a new agent is probably adding to her kind of general personality. Um, yeah. And so maybe it's like the desperation factor or yeah. something. So she basically says, Darian, I need you to do me a favor. We need to go down to Florida and pose as a married couple so we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> Which. And that's the thing. I don't know precisely what the previous episode like appearance was like, but he he does agree to this. 
Um, well, they, don't they allude to like some type of previous romantic relationship well, between them or something? She's always very horned up around him, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I thought there was a vibe if, of something, but maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole thing. Uh, There's a vibe from her to him, but I don't. Yeah. I don't recall seeing much of a return from him to her. That's probably true. Is what I would say. Yeah. Like, he seems to. <laughs> How would I put it? Well, like, I feel like he's businessy. He's, like, yeah. working. He's, like, do, but and she's, like, all over the place. Well, she, yeah, she's clearly got some sort of mental health problem also happening. <laughs> um, like, she might be in a manic episode, for all I know, based she, on this behavior. That is exactly what the energy is. Yeah. Yes, that's the, what it feels um, like. But, like, so how would I say, like... And this is a weird way to describe it because it's, like, incestual. But, like, the vibe I'm getting from them is, like, she's his kid's sister who also wants to sleep with him. And... Gross. When <laughs> when he... when And when, he, when she kind of comes on to him, he's, like, tussling her hair like, that's cute. <laughs> like, that's the vibe I'm Ew. getting off this. Like... Or maybe to make it less gross. I guess gross, you're not wrong, but that's yucky. I mean, let's let's make it slightly less gross. Let's say it's your kid's sister's friend who's always, like, yeah. hitting on you or there something. We and there we go. There we go. Okay, that makes it less Yeah, and creepy. you're just like, ha-ha, you know, like, cute, whatever. Okay, little girl. Yeah. yeah, although what makes that weird is that she's 40 and he's 35. So, um... Yeah. Anyway... But she's but she's an immature forty. I oh, think. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and also, let's face it. Probably in this show, they're both supposed to be like five years younger than they are twenty in re- oh. in, in their real <laughs> yeah. lives. You know, like so he would yeah, be yeah. thirty and she would be thirty five. I guess. Um, yeah. So anyway. They arrive at this housing community, and Veronica is kind of ballsy because she's showing them the house that just was used in the previous scene where, like, the woman thought it was on fire, but, of course, it wasn't. Um, Yeah. Now, again, just showing the time and the place and how things are in the 90s, uh, Veronica tells them that the house costs $250,000, and... um, you don't think that's that would be accurate now in Florida? Oh, I'm sure there are houses in Florida like now that you giving away for houses two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but not as many as you might imagine would be my guess. Um, I think they should give them away in Florida. It's well, a cesspool. Really, the more thing I was going to say is like at that time, Tulsa's like, oh, that's pretty pricey, you know. Um, mm-hmm, and maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it was. I don't know what the real estate market in mid '90s Florida was like. Um, it pro- that probably was expensive, and damn, do I wish we could go back. To I like, know that's that's I mean, more when the they, thing is when someone says two hundred fifty and is like, whoa. Whereas now people would be like, whoa, good deal, like, yeah, and they'd be like, oh great, I'll buy five of them, and like right. the. I mean, I always notice it more like when they talk rents in like old things, and that that's what I like understand sure. better than like housing prices, but. Yeah, that's and it would depend on the part of Florida too. I'd be curious exactly sure. what suburbs it's we're talking about. Yeah, they they don't make that clear. Like they never mention yeah. like 
Jacksonville, Orlando, like none of that's ever Blech. mentioned. Um, yeah. No, I can't, but that's the whole thing is like now in the suburbs of Jacksonville or Orlando, I do wonder if you could even find a home that, well, certainly, because this one is also like, it's big. I don't think, you know, like, right. It's like, at I least bet Orlando a no. bedroom, like, yeah, I know it's quite big. For 250, I you probably would be very hard pressed to find something that big for sure. Jacksonville is like I feel like hit or miss that area sure. in terms of nices. I've I've obviously I don't know prices really, but like there's some crappy parts of Jacksonville. Sure. You might be able yeah. to find some yeah. something. Um but when when Tulsa kind of says like this seems rather expensive, Veronica's like, "Oh, that's okay." We have this, like, federal loan set up that will help you, like, no, I can't remember if it's with a down payment or what, but she's like, there's a way that we can, mm-hmm. like, manage this. Um, mm-hmm. So Tulsa then, again, because she's in a manic episode, is immediately like, let's buy it. And Darren's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> sweetie, let's maybe talk a bit before we say anything to this woman. Um in the end, Tulsa basically browbeats Darian into buying this home. And I guess specifically he puts like a down payment of like $50,000 down. I don't know how he has that money. Um, so we have a brief scene in like the real estate office where they're buying the house. They leave. And as soon as they leave, Veronica like peers around in a like suspicious fashion and then slides her filing cabinets to one side to go through a (laughs) secret door to the control room that we saw at the start of the show. I have a question for you real quick. Okay. Um, Have you in real life, (laughs) have you in real life ever, like anywhere, encountered a secret door or a hidden passageway that takes you to some secret other room in a house or a building or anywhere? No. That's a shame. Me neither. (laughs) And I feel like I want to. (laughs) I mean... And I feel like it's something that is overused in TV and movies. Absolutely. And... Like, like, I will say this, like, I have only ever even been in the presence of a Murphy bed once in my life. Like, um, so the, oh, like, that already is just like the wall isn't really the wall. It's actually a bed which comes down out of the wall. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, that is something that technically exists and you could run into it sometime, someplace. Um, a secret passageway, I would say, is used even more in TV and movies than a Murphy bed is. Yes. And is even less likely to exist in a person's day-to-day life. <laughs> like, um, And I mean, it's even, it's even used, and I'm not talking just like it's used in sci-fi or it's used in no. like Harry Potter or uh, like stuff like that. I'm talking like, I watch a lot of crime stuff. And it's used yes. a lot in crime shows where people yeah. people are building fake cabinets that cover the dungeon that they keep all their sex slaves in. Right. <laughs> like, well, I isn't mean, that it's, like... I it's can, wild. I can think right now of 
newish things. Like there's only murders in the building season two posits that all throughout that building are secret passageways, like spaces between one apartment and the other. Um, that that's a whole central. Oh, really, I've not watched that show. Yeah, in season two, that's a part of the story. Oh, in, in yeah. isn't there that movie? What is that movie that's like fairly new? Isn't that movie Barbarian also something about like a secret dungeon in an yes. Airbnb? Yes, like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. so a full like b- basement house, basically. Right. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a yeah. And while oh, and actually, <laughs> it's a big old thing. And then there's like parasite, where it's about like somebody living in the walls, right? Oh, I never saw that one, but that is interesting. And I have heard of that in New York, which is scary. Yeah. And I have well, I've seen like true crime things about people where like all of a sudden they realize that like a squatter has been like living in their crawl space or right. something like that. Right. Um, but like. I've never run across a secret passageway in no, real life. No, <laughs> I'm a little no, sad no. about it. Now, it's it's not that I don't believe that sometimes there is something happening in a basement or that someone like you said like sure. a crawl space exists or an attic or a, a th- or like yeah. a slight tiny I wouldn't even call it a tunnel. It's just like the wall for this apartment and the wall of the next apartment are about like three feet apart or something. Like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Um, but like the, the notion that you would use those spaces to do anything weird or creepy or whimsical, like it just doesn't seem to really happen because I don't think there are that many of those kinds of things and in this case when it comes to like how this is shot and what it looks like what it looks like is she's in an office again probably the production crew just went to some random office and was like can we just shoot in here for a day um no nobody (laughs) needs to be around and they rigged it up so that she's like pushing those file cabinets to the side and then she starts to like walk between this the wall and the little space she's created next to the filing cabinets and it looks like she's doing that thing of like pretending to go down the stairs right that like people do like behind the couch it's like here I go walking down the stairs (laughs) and it looks like she's just like here I go I'm gonna go to the secret passage behind these like file cabinets. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah, they. <laughs> um, when in fact, what she was really doing was like basically just walking into the wall and then hiding, and then, um, yeah. and then a different shot was of her coming down a set of stairs into this control room, and so it suggested that there's right. a secret door, but we don't even see the secret door. We just see the file cabinets oh my God, slid so to the side, and that's it. Um, once she's in the control room with Julius, we learn that they're in on some kind of plot together, but it's unclear what the plot is. Um, we then cut to, because Veronica has told Darian and Tulsa about this like welcome barbecue that they're invited to that night. Now, again, I've not bought a home, so I can't speak to this, but I think it is extremely unusual that you sign your various paperworks and by that night you are in that property 
Like, um, yeah. Uh, here's the thing. As already stated, my expertise is absolutely not in real estate. But from absolutely everything I understand about it, that's very false. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even though in this case, the house... The, it comes, is like a scam situation. Yeah, yeah, the house comes furnished. Um, like, the like, and that's the thing is like, yeah, the people running this are also scam artists. So, that, but like, if I were a real estate agent and I was working with a couple who was like, oh, we love this house, we want to buy it, I'd be like, that's great, 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 great. Um, and maybe they do very quickly, like they look at it and that day they say, we're interested. And maybe even because of that, we start like some initial paperwork process. If they were, yeah, but there's like other, I mean, in real life, there'd be other people bidding on the house or there'd be other offers or it's like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole ass thing. (laughs) There might be, or there might not be depending on the circumstances, but like, even if it was like, as this situation is, it's, it's a house that's currently abandoned it is furnished like technically there's no reason somebody couldn't stay in it that night but nonetheless if I had if I was the person selling the house and the couple was like can we stay there tonight I'd be like what's wrong with you guys like are you guys messed up (laughs) like what about your previous life and they are what about your previous home like what do you like what's going on no absolutely it's a but there's no questions like that. So, like, Darian and Tulsa are joining in on this neighborhood barbecue um, with their new supposed neighbors. Um, clearly, the stage direction, such as it was, to start this scene was like, hey, everyone's sitting at this table. Just laugh maniacally for, like, the next <laughs> 35 seconds. Um well, it sounded like Darian or Tulsa was like trying to quote unquote like tell some hilarious story. Um, I think she was screaming again. She was, of course she was. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, so like at one point, Darian seems to get some sort of a signal or a sign. He goes like kind of away from the group and Selma is like, I did some looking at that mortgage that you signed and like I compared it to other mortgages of this time period, and it's very unusual. Um, Specifically, it has, and this is in part because it's like supposedly tied to this federal loan that they're getting for being at this property. So according to this mortgage that they signed, the property owners need to stay in their house for at least 24 months, And if they don't, they lose their money. They lose whatever, I guess maybe the scam comes in is that the the federal loan is used to supplement whatever down payment you make. Maybe that's what's supposed to happen here. But basically Mm -hmm. what the outcome is, is that Veronica and Julius keep both the money, whatever money you as the buyer put down, as well as money coming from the federal government if you don't stay in the house for at least two years. And they can keep selling the properties. What a weird deal. Yeah. And they can keep selling the properties as well, which is the other thing. So Mm. that's 
the whole point. They want people to be churning through these properties as quickly as possible because then they can get the most amount of money off of them. Um, meanwhile, as the barbecue is going, um, the neighbor from the previous, or from the opening scene, the husband, um, is lying in bed. We've already heard from his weird wife that he has trouble at night and so he's not going to be at this barbecue. When he goes to bed, he starts having a flashback to what I assume is Vietnam, though I can't totally be sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it is because he ha starts having hallucinations about Asian people. So I guess it is meant to be oh, Vietnam. Yeah. Anyway, as he's having this flashback, unsurprisingly, he goes to get his, is it a rifle? I think it's like some kind of a rifle or something. Um, and he starts stalking out of his house to the broader neighborhood. Um, meanwhile, back at the barbecue, his wife explains to the group that she, the two of them are a week away from being in their house for two years. So from the perspective of Veronica and Julius, this is a problem because if they stay beyond the two year mark, then basically the money that they could get from them is lost. Uh, which I guess is why they've turned up the heat on this guy so that they are forced right. to leave. Um, right. Because then he shows up and starts shooting at everyone. Um, and having, <laughs> it's not funny. I'm only laughing because it's like so wild. It is. It, it is not what I expected of this episode. I'll say <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so he's shooting up everyone. He's having full-on hallucinations where he perceives... Um, Darian as an Asian person. Um, yeah. And now, to be clear, while they do use an Asian racial slur, what they don't do is paint Darian to look Asian. They actually have, like, a, Get a super... Get an Asian person. Yeah, there's, like, a super like superimposed kind of transition where we see what the guy who's freaking out sees, where, like, yeah. an Asian person's face kind of, like, becomes... Darian's yeah. face. Um, Darian is able to eventually control this guy, get the weapon away from him, whatever. Luckily, seemingly no one's been shot. Um, and while this neighbor guy is being loaded into the ambulance, Selma scans him and discovers, which she tells to Darian, that his brain has signs of having electrolysis being done to it. Um, and that was weird to me as well because like the only type of electrolysis that I know is when you get hair removed hair from removal. your face or from your body yeah. in general. Um, although apparently, and I'm just Googling this now, um, it is also... A process where you use electricity to split water into both hydrogen and oxygen again. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Oh, okay. So hmm. basically, in a broad sense, electrolysis is about using electricity to create a chemical reaction that wouldn't happen spontaneously. 
Um, mm. And I don't know how that relates to hair removal, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, that is, I was like, how does that have to do with um, this brain, yeah. clearly this like brain stuff that's happening? And I think the answer is it still doesn't really explain the connection to brain stuff. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess what we should assume then is that the type of electrolysis being done on this guy's brain is to do with like various types of chemical reactions rather than um, hair removal related issues. Um, yeah. <laughs> so then um, back at the real estate office, Julius and Veronica are talking because she's been very unsettled by this particular outcome. Um, And like, so I guess she was fine with the lady dying in a fiery car wreck, but the, maybe the externalized nature of the violence that the Vietnam vet was doing, like, cause that threatened her own life as well. Because uh, she was at the right. barbecue. Maybe that's why she's like now kind of concerned about what's happening. But Julius, because he's behind this whole thing, is like, no, I'm working out the kinks of my system. Oh, yeah, that's when he says like that he whatever he's doing to people, and still it's not entirely clear what he's doing. This is like a, a dry run for a thing he wants to... Im- implement on a bigger scale because i think he says oh yeah well right now we're just controlling these dipshits in this stupid florida place but eventually we'll be able to control like politicians and business people and so Mm. like we're working out the kinks now um but veronica isn't necessarily sold on that um and he's like what you should be paying attention to is the fact that like the new arrivals to town are very suspicious and even more suspicious is the fact that the guy was able to like totally stop this guy with a gun seemingly without any problem. He was, and he's basically like, they're probably law enforcement. Like we need to be aware of them. Um, after a commercial break, I can't remember, like, um, (laughs) Veronica comes back to say that she's done a background check on the two of them, and she has found out that Darian and Tulsa lied to her, that Tulsa is a federal agent. And I think she says she wasn't able to find much information about Darian, but I guess that makes sense. Now, this is another yeah. thing that I thought was strange, is like, I thought they were going undercover to investigate this lady, but then apparently they used their own actual names to get the house and to like do business and I was like oh yeah that doesn't they're seem bad at their job like I thought and especially yeah, like this Tulsa lady is like needs to chill out so she can like do her job better and especially I was like okay now I'm thinking more broadly about the show if Darian Lambert is this time cop and his name in the future is Darian Lambert. Like, that's who he is. That's what his parents named him. Like, when he goes to the past, shouldn't he have a different name? Like, or a, an alter ego or something? Like, 
it just is weird to me. Cause, <sighs> good point. Because if he, because he's like, even when he's in the past, he's technically undercover then as well because he can't let he can't even let Tulsa know that he's from the future like he can't let anyone know that and so it's weird to me that his name like he and also like just for all the things we've talked about with time travel like I'm like wouldn't this create some sort of like a rip in the space-time continuum or a time travel paradox that would be bad like if you're just using your own name and your own identity as they are constantly, like it seems like it. But nonetheless, that is what's happened. They're both using their own names, so this woman <laughs> is easily able to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and so as a result, Julius is like, well, we need to quote unquote accelerate the program that they're using on them. Um Back yes. at the house, the house that they've purchased, Selma mm-hmm. has done some digging and tells Darian that this Julius character is a psychologist and doctor from the future, and that specifically what he was doing is he was using electrolysis to try and... Ex- what is... Oh, she called it accelerated dream therapy. So using <laughs> dreams to do some kind of therapeutic... Uh, work, which, you know, that's possibly a thing that could eventually exist, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. And people do things like directed dreaming and lucid dreaming. Um, In fact, I feel like like only just recently I had a dream where I was like somewhat aware and I was like, I want this thing to happen. And then it did. And I was like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um, but you know, I, I don't know that using dreams for therapeutic treatment is really much of a good use of time most of the time, but nonetheless, yeah, that's what this guy was doing was like, maybe, maybe they don't explain this, but like maybe what he thought is like, if I can get into somebody's dream state, then maybe there's some sort of a suggestion or change I could make that in their waking state would remain there. I don't know. Um, Yeah. But needless to say, what we also learn is that this technique was not actually effective um, and that quite a lot of his uh, patients ended up losing their minds, being involved in quite a lot of violence, etc. So for these various types of crimes um julius was sentenced to life in prison back in the future um but he managed to get to the past and has been hiding here for some amount of time meanwhile julius has turned the machine on or like whatever i don't know if it's a machine or what he does but like he has now like tulsa is in a dream state having a nightmare where she believes that Darian is coming at her with a knife. So she takes her gun and, and now she's, she's been shouting this whole time, but now she's really shouting at him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and in fact, she even shoots at him in the end, though she doesn't hit him. Yeah. Um, and then once he's, 
been shot at. Darian uses Selma to sort of zap Tulsa out of her trance, but then Tulsa is still like passed out. Um, and literally this looked like a man holding a credit card at someone and being like, pew, 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 gotcha. <laughs> like, um, which is weird. Um, Super weird. <laughs> meanwhile, back in the control room, Julius is starting to get concerned because like the arrival of Darian and Tulsa has like up, I guess, kind of progressed the timeline more than they expected. And so he tries to explain to his partner, Veronica, that he's from the future and that the person chasing him is a future cop. And Veronica's reaction to that is, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, she, Fair reaction. Yeah, because she, she's a 20th century crime lady. And even whatever he's told her that they're doing in this scheme, she's like, my thing is I scam the government for money and I scam people for money and, like, that's my <laughs> thing. I don't get involved in yeah. brain waves. I don't get involved in dream manipulation. I don't get involved in supposed weird future technology. That's not for me. Um, so she doesn't believe it. And in fact, I guess if she thinks anything, she's realizing she's made a deal with someone who is like actively schizophrenic or something, um, mm -hmm. which is probably a concern when you've gotten involved in being a crime partner with someone. Um, yeah. As they're talking this out, the system seems to suggest that Tulsa is back asleep again. Because part of the reason Julius is upset is that Darian isn't going to sleep. And he wants them both to go to sleep. Um, but they're not. So Tulsa appears to be asleep again. However, back at the house, we see that this is actually a manipulation that Selma is doing of Julius's system. And the reason she's doing right. this is to try and basically like backtrace the location of where all of this dream manipulation technology is. She does that by pretending to be Tulsa. She tells Darian where the technology is. Darian then sneaks into the control room by moving the sliding uh, filing cabinets <laughs> along the wall. Somehow, I guess it's actually Selma that does this. She, like, once he gets in, she, like, shorts out all the equipment. Right. Um, at, or, like, somehow, no, what is it? She, like, uses the equipment in reverse. So she then creates a hallucination for Julius to experience. Mm. Um, and I can't quite remember what it is he thinks he sees, but I think this is like, there was some scene where Darian's face started to like blob out and move around as though it was like a fun house mirror kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, and so I guess that's the hallucination that Selma is giving Julius. And then... Julius begins shooting what I'm calling a future gun at Darian because I'm not totally sure what, like it was like just some light beams or something going at him. Yeah. Um, 
But then Darian shoots at him. And this was where I really didn't understand what was happening. But then I just saw on the Wikipedia page what technically happens here. So Darian has this like special, in addition to Selma, he has a different technology, which is called a micro pellet projection tube. Yikes. Um, yep. And according to this, it's, <laughs> quote unquote, disguised as a keyless car alarm remote. So literally, they didn't even have the budget to make any of these items. So they're like, here, man, just take your bank card out. Everything's disguised. Like (laughs) everything's disguised as that would be like that would be like nowadays being like, okay, well, we have this like crazy technology. It's like this um, giant whatever whatever but it's disguised as a phone so just t- it's you're yeah. using your phone <laughs> yeah um it's the same as saying like my i have a lot of keychains and not very many keys but like one of the keychains that i like is from the australian open and it's a little tiny tennis ball and it would be like <laughs> saying yeah pretend that tiny tennis ball is actually a gun and then just like use that around town <laughs> like and so I'm like, weird what the so fuck? weird um So he shoots, I mean, it's a car alarm remote. So think about like old timey car alarm remotes. It's those weird like kind of fobs where it had like four buttons on it or whatever. Um, So he shoots that at Julius. And then that is what transports Julius um, back to the future um, to, to, um, yeah, to like be put back in jail, I guess. Um, And so he disappears out of nowhere. Uh, Veronica has run away because this is all weird. And then Darian says to Selma, you need to overload this system of dream control that Julius has created because um, this will disrupt the timeline. It's like future technology. So, so then that blows up. We get outside of the real estate office and the whole office blows up. Um, so Julius is gone. Office is blown up. Veronica, I think, gets arrested because by the time we're outside, law enforcement and like fire and stuff have come. So I think Veronica is arrested. Then Darian, this is when Darian, or no, when Tulsa is even extra horny being like, (laughs) now that we've closed this case and now that my like career at the agency is like set up, don't you want to? And she's like doing a lot, like she may as well be like a Marx brother, like lifting her eyebrows at him. Like, come on. Like, (laughs) and he, he may, and he may as well tassel her hair and be like, that's cute. (laughs) And that's it. That's seriously the the show is over now, and that's it. So crazy. Yeah, this show was a trip. It really was, and I do feel bad that you had to watch it on your phone because I can't have helped whatever was going on. No, it definitely didn't. But it, but it was like not to skip to (laughs) the final questions. But it like if this had been a show like Foundation or like some of the other stuff that I absolutely detested, I probably would have like thrown my phone out the window (laughs) or just like given up, like truly given up. Um, But this one did grab me, even though like Hmm. 
it was weird. <laughs> I, I had a different, like, it was kind of silly, fun, weird. Yeah, I agree with that. So with that said, let's do yawns and eye rolls. <laughs> One yawn is, this is like TV magic, loved it. And what? 10 yawns is like, I just couldn't engage if you paid me. What would you give it? I would probably say three to four. And again, it is affected by the fact that I had to watch it on my phone. Did yeah. make it, you know, more boring at points. Um, but yeah, three to four, like... Room for improvement wasn't my favorite thing ever in the world, but definitely not, like, unwatchable for me. Yeah, I guess I would go a little bit higher to more like a five. Uh, Though, like, I feel like talking about this was more dynamic than watching it, is what I'll say. That might be true. And Um, and certain things I was excited to talk about more than I was to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. So for (laughs) me, it's a five. Um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll being like, this world was crafted perfectly (laughs) and 10 eye rolls being like, I don't even know what this world is. What would you Hmm. give it? Ooh, well, I did have some, I did feel like there were some holes in the building. (laughs) Um... So I feel like maybe eye roll wise, I might say seven or eight. Like I Mm. definitely didn't fully know. And some of it's my own like problem, but I didn't fully understand their, even their jobs or their roles or what they were trying, what they were trying to accomplish in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So some of, I think the, the world building was a little bit funky for me. So yeah. like seven or eight. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I would probably say a seven-ish as well. Um, and I guess what I would say that goes along with what you said is like the stakes seemed either unclear or very low. Like, yeah, like I well, like she has like an inkling. Well, the thing also about I would have I would question. I have questions for law enforcement <laughs> because she has an inkling something is going on and immediately wanting to buy a house undercover. That right. seems like an overreaction. Now well, she is correct. Something is going on, but right. It And yeah, I guess what was the end result they were hoping for? Well, cause I'm like, I'm not trying to diminish fraud as a crime or whatever, <laughs> but like, I'm like, this person who's doing this seems pretty small time um, right. in the grand scheme. And as for, like, I guess once the lady dies in the fiery car wreck, sure, maybe that, that it a bit. merits some more eyes on the situation. Um, but I'm like, I don't know, man. This seems like small potatoes for a time cop to care about this. Um, and for the FBI, quite frankly. Yeah. And I guess maybe the point is that he doesn't know until he gets there that it turns out to be a time crime. Um, right. So, 
Time crime. It's that's, a time crime. Actually, time crime should be the name of whatever. Yeah, like that's the thing uh, we should pitch. Time crime. Yeah, I like it. Um, time crime. It can be right after witch's court. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I so yeah, and I guess I would be curious if I were to watch other episodes of the show, which I did not because, as you say, it was harder to find than other things. Like. I would be curious to know about, like, the stakes the show sets. Like, is he always doing this, yeah. like, small-time shit? Or, like, is sometimes it more of a... Is he sometimes saving the world? Deal? Like, Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure on that. Like, um, and I'm not saying that... It's not that I don't agree that Dr. Julius was probably bad and, and right. also a danger to the timeline, so needed to be returned to where he was. I get that. But I'm like, this guy didn't even have him on his radar. So. Right. What does he care? Um, so yeah, yeah, that was, I guess that leads us into final thoughts about this show, which are, of course, did you like this and would you recommend it? Um, yeah, I liked it fine. I, again, it was like kooky and Dawson's mom made it worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> she made it fun, even though she was, like, a lot. Um, I only wouldn't recommend it just because it's too hard to find, so yeah. it's, you're probably not going to find it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would say the same. I liked this fine, and I would say give it a watch because it could be interesting and funny in a number of ways. Like, I imagine that in other episodes there are, other people who are there that have become something later, you know, like, yeah. um, and that in itself can kind of be fun and funny. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, getting it is hard. So not a strong recommend on that. Yeah. Front. Um, so yeah, I guess that is it from us here at see you next week in space. I'm Sarah and I'm here with Amy and, uh, Oh, I'll say it again. We'll see you next week. In space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.